0: I guess there's no going back. We are officially launching episode one, The Hard Things.
1: Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast.
0: Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of Gather Up and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we have finally decided to abandon or move away from all other ways of communication and get into this podcast thing. And super excited to uh, be bringing you guys kind of through our world of trying to lead and manage and grow our SaaS companies, which both gather up in WhiteSpark, are bootstrapped and share just some of our day-to-day and month-to-month activities and what keeps us up at night, or you know everything else that goes in with it. And um, you know Darren, I was, I was trying to go through my head and figure out when was it? I know we were at a conference, but we were talking about doing a, a podcast together. It was some time ago, but I, I can't remember where it started.
1: Yeah. You proposed the idea at MN Search Summit. We were, it was in the, the after event at some pub that was uh, right across the street from where the conference center was. And I was actually FaceTiming with my Violet. So having a little FaceTime with my daughter and you actually came in and had some FaceTime with her. And then after the that little call, you're like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. And so we talked a little bit about it.
0: That makes sense where it was like, you know, some some learning, some mental stimulation, being around smart people at a conference and then mix in a few beers and that's when the big ideas happen.
1: I think that's when every that's how every podcast starts, really. <laughs> a few beers are required. I don't know
0: if I've heard anyone else document that, so we might be the first to admit to it, so. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. This is going to be good. There's so much to talk about and it's a new, you know, I often talk about local search things, but this is talking about like running the business. It's a it's a new topic for me to share with the world. So I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, me too. Same thing, right? We Both of us speak at a ton of digital marketing and other types of conferences where we're asked to come in and give that, you know, for me, it's how to get more reviews and customer feedback and customer yeah. experience. And it, it's so tactically driven a lot of the times. And I think both of us were really intrigued by this to share more of, you know running a business, things unique to a bootstrap SaaS company, and all those other aspects that you know we really don't get to talk and share a lot about. And it's also content that we're kind of constantly seeking out our, ourselves through podcasts and articles and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to be highly educational for me as well, like just getting a chance to chat with you on a regular basis. And then even thinking about these things, like, okay, I want to talk about this process that we're dealing with, with our pricing page or whatever. And spending the time, like knowing that I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, I'll put a little bit more effort into it. So I think it's going to be great for <laughs> for helping drive my own personal development as well.
0: Yep, I totally agree. So even if we only get two downloads out of the gate, we, we will chalk this up as a success because you and I are talking on a you know pretty regular basis in order to make this happen.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: There you go. There's a byproduct always of, of wins in everything you do. Absolutely. So just as we touched upon this first episode of the SaaS venture, we wanted to look at you know the hard things and this kind of got me thinking that just this last week I put out a tweet um, cuz i was kind of like frustrated to to myself uh, there's a couple internal projects that are just on my plate here at, at gather up and uh, you know i started looking at like all of the external things i do right between speaking and selling and traveling and recruiting and hiring as we're growing our team and all, all these other aspects. And probably one of the hardest things for me to do are, are like internal projects for me personally, where it's like working on a, a better intranet type uh, system is one of the things on my plate. And I was feeling really frustrated because I was having a hard time carving out the time and being able to focus on it. And that led me to thinking you know for our first episode topic and we're kind of starting the, the year here, recording this in January. We'll, we'll see when we get it edited and, and aired. But just kind of reflecting back of like, wow, what was, you know, what was my hardest thing in 2018? And when I looked back at that, it was another internal project. It wasn't mine just personally, but it was an internal project for our company. And that was rebranding. Um, we used to be called Get Five Stars for the first four and a half years of our company's life. And we rebranded to gather up. On September seventeenth, it sticks out uh, in my head very, very well.
1: Why did you rebrand? What was the what was the motivation to get a new brand name?
0: Yeah, it was kind of one of those like multifacets, right? Like many fingers on, on the hand pointing in that direction. One, I can tell you from day one, I've been with the company for over three and a half years. is one of those things that just as like a gut check never aligned with me. I'd, I'd like to say that I'd, I'm kind of a, a brand marketing guy at heart is just kind of in my core. And so in my gut, it didn't sit right. right. Then we had like just kind of other pieces, right? Where we had you know sometimes we would get someone who would tell us like your name feels kind of spammy because it feels like i'm going to buy five star reviews right if i right. purchase services from get five stars i will get five star reviews yep as we went up channel in our in our customers and started having bigger customers we had a couple that were using the company five stars which is a loyalty and they were like, man, it's really hard to talk about you guys and talk about five stars in the same meeting. Sure. Um, yeah. And he's just like, so why don't you change your name? Right. And that was kind of comical, but I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. And then just looking at longevity of things like we have Gather Up now. We just finally got word that, you know, we're officially, you know, registered, trademarked. That was never going to happen with the word get five stars and and it was just kind of a like get 5 stars felt tactical where gather up feels like a brand. So it was kind of a collection of all of those things that really signaled to us that we need to start looking for a new name. That makes sense. Now the process of that, like that's a pretty interesting process, right? And there's kind of like all these little steps and hurdles. The, the first part is trying to figure out a name, right? That might be the hardest part because so many other things after that are like steps and processes and things you document and checklists and whatever else, where the initially figuring it out is extremely difficult, right? And at first, we tried to do it by committee with like the four or five of us that you know we kind of call our executive team within our company. And it really kind of fizzled out after that. And then to be honest, there was just a lot of, and I know not many people would want to admit this, but a lot of late night texting with Mike Blumenthal where he and I just, you know, sending to what about this? What do you think about this? And you'd kind of judge if it had any legs based on how long it took the other person to reply
1: Right. Yeah, I was like, uh, if if there's a long silence, then it's maybe not a not a yes.
0: Yeah, you kind of knew like it wasn't there, and you know I don't remember what it was or how or whatever else. But you know I was doing a lot of like working uh, thesaurus.com and looking into all kinds of other things that were like related to what we were doing, but yet unrelated and. Things yeah. like that. And gather up just kinda came into place and was one of those like where sent it across to Mike and got kind of a you know, nothing gives you a yes. Most of the things that you send across, a couple will get you like a, a maybe, right? right?
1: Did you start at the like domain registry searching? Like that's pretty you've got to be able to get the domain. So how did yes. you you got to start there, right?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, when you're a online SaaS company, anything but the dot .com to us was just non-negotiable. So
1: <laughs> yeah, same here, whitespark.ca. <laughs> yeah. So like going through that, you know, and that's
0: that was its own deal, right? It was like, yeah, okay, GatherUp.com was not being used by anything, which is a great sign, and we're able to figure out it was for sale. But then, you know, we luckily we had a contact who had recently secured a domain name for a friend of ours and his SaaS business. So we went through him. Definitely one thing I learned from my wife being a very successful realtor over the years is, you know, negotiating with emotions is a really bad idea. Yeah. So to have someone represent you in that domain name was definitely helpful because I definitely got emotions, right? Where we were looking like, oh, this could be the future of our company. And the other side's looking at like, well, you know, how do I maximize and make the most out of something that somebody wants in this moment right now? And that, that can really cause some of that uh, back and forth to be uh, skewed a little bit.
1: Yeah. Are you happy with the price you paid? In the end.
0: Yes, totally. We were willing to go probably at least two to three times as high as what we paid for it. We there paid on the thousands of dollars and we had kind of capped and said like, all right, if, if it comes in and it needs to be this much, like, here's what we're willing to go. Because we looked at like, this is an investment in our future. We feel good about it and we're willing to go that high. So the amount wasn't so much. It was It was one of those It was an interesting process. Let's just say the domain owner was somebody who lives off the grid, wants to stay off the grid. So his kind of payment requests and process were not a normal process for purchasing a domain. (laughs) Right. So, but anyway, you know, basically between briefcases of cash, we ended up securing...
1: Is it drop them in by drone or something? (laughs) It was was darn close. I mean, if
0: I laid it all out... Yeah, if I laid it all out you'd get a good laugh. And it it was kind of one of those things, too, where I was talking about the emotions, right? A couple of people in our company were just like, you know, probably ready to quit at that point because this person didn't make it any easier. Mike and I were at the point where we're like, hey, well, you know, if this is something super sketchy or fraudulent, like we'll put up the funds for it, right? The company right. won't be out. Sure. We're, we're betting that, yeah, this is a little strange, but the world of domaining is strange. So it just was what it was.
1: It was worth it. You know, I, I struggle with it myself because I once had the opportunity to get Whitespark.com. When I registered my company which yeah, is a local Edmonton web developer. And so I didn't really care. I was happy to get the .ca. And whitespark.com was owned by a company in Portugal who was an engineering firm. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, whatever. They're they're far away. It's not going to really impact me. But then they went out of business. The name went up for auction. And I, I joined the auction, but I screwed up something. I never, I never got the domain. So oh. now it's floating out there. And every once in a while, they like hit me up. And they're like, hey, do you want to buy this domain? And I'm like, sure, I'll offer you this much. And they're like, my client, thinks the domain is worth six figures, and then I just laugh it off and I never bother doing <laughs> it, right? So it's really it's really annoying. I would like to have the com, but don't six figures want the com.
0: No. Well keep after it. I feel yeah. like sooner or later I believe in you. I think you can win
1: that battle. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then it got easier Like right? our our Twitter handle, we ended up this is another great one. It was registered, you know, ten years ago by a gentleman in Australia and Mike Blumenthal went all the way down to, because the guy wasn't active on social media at all, but Mike ended up finding out that he coached his kid's rugby team and he went through like the president of the rugby club to reach this guy. Wow.
1: And we <laughs> yeah, story we, right there. That's a whole yeah, podcast totally. episode. We got to get Mike yep. on. Yeah.
0: Yep. And I, I think we had to part with either five hundred or seven hundred and fifty dollars for the Twitter handle, but completely worth it. And the, the experience of tracking him down was a story within itself. So nice. Yeah. And then you know, once you kind of get past those pieces and you have the right thing and everything else. A lot of it on our side was just looking at a lot of processes and documents, right?
1: So many things to update. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. And our, our biggest goal was like, don't mess this up, right? We have thousands of customers with a daily experience. And the master plan was rolling everybody into this new brand. we had given our customers a, a heads up um, as we got towards the tail end. But we didn't want to disrupt, you know, service and transferring everybody from one domain to another. And there was some architectural things that we different. Um, we went from, yeah. you know, our, our app was running just at get 5 And we moved everything to a subdomain for GatherUp on app.gatherup.com for a number of different reasons. So, yeah, just not messing up was the biggest thing. But, yeah, we created a, a spreadsheet basically by department in the company, right? And, right. Right. Here's everything that engineering needs to do. Here's everything sales and marketing needs to do, right? From changing Zoom accounts, email addresses to, you know, what's on an invoice. Here's what billing has to do, right? It's just this giant spreadsheet that, yeah, yeah, that for months we just, you know, looked at and kept picking things off and just made sure like, okay,
1: Too. You're like, oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. And there must be so many little things that you kept remembering. Oh, we have to change yep. this. We have to update that. Yep. And
0: we still, I mean, we still had a few stragglers uh, here and there afterwards, but you just kind of stay focused and work hard on the details and you have everybody on the same page. And you know, it went it went really well. I couldn't have been more proud of our team and the effort and the work that they put yeah. in. Engineering especially, right? They replicated environments. We had no issues related to the transfer at all replicate environments then transferred all the data i mean everything went perfectly smooth i was counting on being on some you know 48 hour bender never sleeping fixing things talking to customers apologizing right you plan for the worst right
1: yeah i would expect uh, that too you know and as a uh, reseller we uh, we resell gather up at whitespark I was really impressed that your communication as well was fantastic. So like all of your client communication uh, in your email newsletter and your blog and your social feed did a really good job of, you know, making sure that the communication was clear and the transfer was really seamless for everybody. So I, I think it was really impressive.
0: Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, we definitely learned a lot of things out of it. I think what you hit upon, Communication is so key, right? You see it so many different ways. I was just, I think it was just last week on Twitter, there was a big flare up because drip raised prices and the way they communicated it and the stipulations they gave, like people were all up in arms. And it was just one of those reminders to me as you know, a leader in our company, how important it is mm-hmm. to communicate early and often and honestly, right? Those are really big things and ways to engage your customer base. That keep them as a strong community and believing in you and trusting you and and spending their money with you
1: yeah definitely, and it's one of the things that I think we need to work on and improve, and I think it comes from me as the you know leader of the company, I sometimes am not the best communicator uh, and I need to make sure that when we launch something, we have a bit of a communication plan around that. So planning communication is part of the the piece that we often don't put enough time into. And, uh, you know, after this podcast, though, I'm going to get much better.
0: There, there you go. Sometimes it's just being self-aware of what it is, right? Like, yeah, uh, there's there's a whole nother podcast for us. Self-awareness. I'm, I'm big into that. We can we can go into a lot of things there. I have my own things to work on.
1: Yeah. So what are the biggest wins? How did it benefit the company?
0: Oh, So, I mean, to me, there's two things that really stand out is, you know, one, being able to take this from scratch approach and and truly create a brand um, and have so much, you know, cohesiveness and touch all the small things and, and really create it the way you want was really, really important because... You know, our site and our messaging and so many other things over four and a half years kind of got Frankenstein together. And and that's understandable with a startup, right? Like you're just kind of happy sometimes to live for the next day and you're right. not you're not really thinking far out into the future. And and I really took that approach with this and was like, all right, you know, how do we best tell our story and how do we get to those pieces? I've really seen that take hold with how we wanted that to work out for us in our brand positioning and messaging and things like that. And then the second thing I looked at is it was such an internal win for us because it allowed us to tighten up the things we talk about internally and define our why so much better. We built out core values for the first time in our company, which, you know, might sound crazy to some, but we always, were are just like doing the work and we kind of sorta knew why and what right. we made decisions off of. But like, we're really able to like nail these down in some regards, I felt like I was cheating because I had it wasn't just you know putting them out there into the air. We had years of doing this, right? Like so, it was just like how do how do we tighten that up? And it really turned into something that when it all came together, like I really saw our team all
1: coming. Nice, nice. And then how about the like reception, how the clients, customers, everyone. Ex- received the the new name change any complaints and everyone's generally happy with it
0: yeah i would say 90 to 95 percent was all i mean customers are great right like when you do the right things they support you they cheer you on they share it for you some people like change is always hard for some, right? Some would be like, great, I have to retrain myself this and where to log in and what to call you guys. <laughs> yeah, There's right. definitely some small pieces of that, but like the good far outweighed it. And people were really like, I felt like they saw what our vision is, right? That we're not just about reviews. We're about creating a connection between the customer and the business. And they, they already saw it in our features. And now we're putting this wrapper on it that like best represents it.
1: Yep. Nice.
0: Yeah. And really the only like big scary uh, thing was just like, um, you know, we are 99% inbound marketing. And so switching domains and ending up in that Google sandbox. And for us, it was like a five to six week sandbox. Like that was scary stuff.
1: So yeah, that 301 redirects, you're going to redirect all your relevant pages to the equivalent page on gatherup.com. But that doesn't flow immediately. It takes like, what, five to six weeks for you?
0: Yeah, yeah. It took us five to six weeks. So it was just like, I mean, daily of doing searches and monitoring things and AH refs and, you know, consulting others that are out there. Have you seen it happen this long? I mean, there's just so many things. It's like, well, you know, finally, when we started seeing like a branded result and, and site links and things like that, and you start right. to see things tick up in search console, you're like, yes, yes, we're coming out of it, so...
1: Well, that's interesting. I thought Google would be a little quicker with that. Five or six weeks seems like a really long time for them to get the pictures. Considering that you've you know, you've gone into Google My Business and changed the entity name, you've three oh one redirected the whole site. It's shocking that it takes Google five to six weeks to get it all sort of re resorted out.
0: It was shocking. I mean I wanted it to like you know, sandbox for five or six minutes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not exactly five or yeah. six weeks. Almost what you'd expect. You think Google's so smart these days, right?
0: Yep. Totally. So I would say, you know, if anyone else, if you're facing this, if you're going to do it, like that's one thing you have to consider, especially if yeah. you're, you know, heavily dependent on inbound, like that, it's going to be more than a, a blip on the map and you got to be willing to, you know, wait it out. And in our case too, we also had great, I went back to people who had written articles in the past 30 days that were still fresh and asked them to change and update link. Right. We tried to do everything we could to send the strongest signals possible. Yeah. Anything to kind of wriggle us out of that sooner than later, but yeah, it ended up a you know a month and and change until we were out.
1: Yeah, brand might actually consider planning for that and allocating additional budget for PPC and other marketing, you know, paid marketing in order to sort of cover the loss you're going to get from organic marketing in that period.
0: Yep. Nope. Smart. I should have done that. That was definitely one thing we didn't consider.
1: We didn't know. You didn't expect five to six weeks, did you? No.
0: No. We were so consumed. I definitely expected a couple of weeks, right? I expected two to three weeks, but it it really kind of doubled. So that was definitely a hard thing about the hard thing. So
1: Great. There's our first big teaching moment in the podcast. (laughs) Anybody listening, if you ever do a rebrand, prepare for a five to six week uh, downtime in your organic traffic. Totally. Yeah
0: well enough enough of putting me on the spot I wanted to get to you know as we were we were talking uh you know kind of before this and before hitting record um you know i I find your your hard thing really uh, interesting right because um what yours is 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 you know a hard thing is putting together a giant study and you definitely do that if you you have taken over the local search ranking factors report on a on a yearly basis and you know, I, I would just love to you know, hear more about and ask you kind of a, a couple of questions around, you know, what is it like putting together something that has so many opinions, is that massive and then ends up on yeah. such a visible stage to people?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty hard thing, but uh, it's funny because, I don't know, I have this very positive outlook on things. Before I do something, it seems so easy. like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll be able to get that done in two weeks. And then (laughs) after I do something and it's in the past, I'm like, that was no problem. But when I'm actually working on it, when I really think about it, it was a ton of work. And there were a lot of challenges that I had to face through it. So I think it's very applicable for our hard things topic. Um, So let me just describe what it is, because not everyone that listens might be familiar. So it's called the Local Search Ranking Factors. And and uh, it was originally conceived and executed by David Mim. He prepared this study for, I think, eight years before he handed the reins over to me. And what he started with was he would send out a spreadsheet and ask the the. 30, 40, 50 top notable local search experts to rank the factors that are driving local search. And so each year he would add new factors and remove factors that aren't applicable anymore. And uh, it was a spreadsheet thing. And you would just kind of drag the factors that you think have the most importance versus the least importance. And so when I took over, I would basically execute it the exact same way. And so some of the really hard things are chasing people down. So first it's like, are you going to participate? Hey, can you get this back to me? I'm still, uh, you know, so you're trying to chase people. And then another thing that I did this year, which was maybe a bit too ambitious was I wanted to take it out of the spreadsheet format instead of dragging factors in a spreadsheet and copying and pasting, which was kind of clunky and difficult and challenging. I wanted to use like a, just a kind of drag and drop survey tool I looked at maybe, I don't know, five or six of the top survey tools, and none of them really offered the features that I needed. So we decided to build our own. So we put it together, and uh, we now have uh, a little tool that we created that allows participants to just drag the factors in and, and really do it easier and simpler. And the benefit, another benefit to that is that now everything gets saved to the database. And so I now can run queries to run the analysis. And so I It was really nice, actually, one of the first times, you know, I haven't touched code in a long time, but I wrote all of these uh, SQL procedures in order to extract the data, and I felt really proud of myself for for actually writing some code, because I don't do that anymore. My developers do not let me touch code anymore. Yeah, I don't you
0: write any code. This sounds like you might have built a whole new product. We might need to start talking about how you're going to go to market with this.
1: <laughs> that is a challenge, you know. We're always like building things and I think I could sell this. I was like yep. I, we, we already have way too many little things at White Spark. That's, that's part of the problem. Yeah.
0: So yeah. between all these things Darren, right? You're like getting it all put together. You're you've, you're building software to make it easier for people to do it. You're chasing down participants. What's your time investment into like this report each year?
1: It's really hard to estimate. But if I had to give a number, I'd say maybe 300 hours, roughly 300 wow. hours went into it. It's a lot of time, a lot, and a lot of hours. And that's over like months and months and months, right? So it's first reworking the form. Like what are the things that need to be changed this year? What are factors that need to be taken out? building the software, it's refining the software, it's chasing people, getting answers, you know, going back and forth. Some people actually had problems with the software where it wouldn't save their answers. And so dealing with those kinds of things. And then after that, okay, let's say everyone took the survey. Great. I have all the data. Then I spent a ton of time extracting all the analysis, right? So I'm analyzing the results and trying to get the numbers. I'm reading through all the commentary, trying to pull out information there. And then I'm then I'm preparing slide decks, right? Because I, I took it to Search Love London, and that was the first place I presented the results. And then I had another conference a week after that. So I had to prepare two slide decks. And then it's getting it ready to publish. So it's it's extracting all of the content and putting it into a resource format. Uh, it's writing up my my take on it, my preparing a blog post uh, that sort of pulls out what are the high level takeaways. Oh, and then I also flew to Moz to film a whiteboard Friday on it. And it, it even still it comes up. So let's just be clear. I am not complaining. The beauty of it <laughs> is that it's just like nonstop marketing engine for me because it's like, I just got invited to go and speak at the local search association. So he wants me to present on the local search ranking factors. Great. I already got that stuff and I know it. And so it's it's really nice to be able to continue to reuse this as marketing over and over. And I got to present on a bunch of different webinars. And so it's a lot of work, but with a lot of reward. And so I, I love it quite a bit. It's, it's really a really fun thing to do.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it absolutely gives you know such a authoritative stance by being the one to to pull it together and i think you know i i look at uh you know i i did it for 4 or 5 years when i was more you know hands on and still in uh, running a digital agency you know, before David even made it, drag and drop David Mim who who originally started it. And I, I remember feeling like this is a lot of work to fill up this spreadsheet when I got it, much less have to wrangle it all together and everything else. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember actually spending a good like five, six hours just doing the survey as a participant.
0: Yeah. Well, and it was kinda of nerve wracking too, because I always looked at it like, Oh, when David reads this, is he gonna think like I uh, I'm dumb compared to someone else's opinion. Right. Like, is he comparing these really hard against each other? Is there, is he doing his own ranking on like, who's actually intelligent or not? Like it was nerve wracking.
1: Right. It's an, it's an intelligence score. He scores everybody based on how close your answers are to his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I could I could see that happening.
1: Yeah. I totally felt that way taking it. And it's like, it's, it's something you don't take lightly when you do that survey. You want to make sure that what you're putting out there, um, you know, is is your best effort yeah. because it is it is evaluated by David himself. And then a lot of the commentary gets read by everybody that does local search. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So you, you touched on a number of the things from obviously that, you know, the positioning as an authority um, and an industry influencer and all the different conferences and talks and things like that. What are some of the, you know, the SEO benefits? Like what do you can you turn that into anything tangible for us to like understand like what it gives off in that and like backlinks and mentions and, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard to measure. I bet you I could do a little bit of research and figure out how many times local search ranking factors and white spark are mentioned together and then find all the ones that are actually linking, but it's a ton. Like every time you publish this. There are so many links that go out. And I publish it on Moz. I don't publish it on the White Spark website. So a lot of those links are going to Moz, which is fine. But it's another big benefit is Moz's huge audience, right? So it puts me in front of Moz's audience, which a lot of enterprises follow. And so it, it has this really great marketing reach. And it really establishes me as, well, you know, one of the top influencers in local search as the person who executes the study. And so, yeah, it, it gives us a lot of clout. We get a lot of leads and calls because of that position. And so... Uh, it's dollar value is impossible to measure, and marketing value is impossible to measure. But uh, it is, it is. You can feel it. Like after we publish this thing, you can yeah. feel the number of contacts uh, really increase uh, at Spark. and the number of emails that I personally get that then end up turning into a various forms of work people either signing up for our software or contacting us for enterprise work you really uh notice it after doing something like this and then of course more and more invitations to go and speak at conferences which then leads to more of that so there is a huge benefit, and you know, I really have to thank David for passing those reins to me. It's been a massive gift, and uh, you know, he's done such a great job of preparing this. He really just handed it to me on a silver platter, and uh, I couldn't be more grateful. That guy's amazing.
0: Well, I would agree with that. I like David as well. I think you're doing an outstanding job with it. I, I like the fact that um, even when you look at it, you consider the the process and how you could improve it, right? And your your software and product side of you led to figuring out efficiencies with that, and how you can make it easier to extract data and run queries against it, and everything else, I, I think those are kind of you know cool things happening within your process that you, you probably at some point in time will look back and be like, all right, that was that was kind of wild that we just continued to, you know, evolve it even further from from what it was.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's also exciting to think about the evolution of it because you know. Uh, One of the things we're going to talk about at the local U advance that's happening in uh, Santa Monica in early February is we're going to talk about the local search ranking factors. Does it still make sense to sort factors this way? And so it's a real thought exercise as well. This whole thing where we get to think about what is driving local search. And so from personal development perspective, it really helps drive me forward as well in terms of. Is this the you know what is what we've been doing to rank businesses in local search still applicable and the way that we decide what drives local search does does that still make sense and so it's exciting from that development perspective to to be able to sort of push the industry that way
0: yeah for sure well you kind of touched on here as we get ready to wrap up episode one. I was going to kind of ask, you know, what what are you up to in the next couple of weeks before we talk again and try to get another show recorded and kind of put that out there. Right. Yeah. I think first week of February is local. You advanced in Santa Monica. I was bummed. I, I won't be there. I'll actually be just north of there. I'll be in San Jose at SASTER Annual, which is the big oh, yeah. SAS conference. Um, it's almost too big, right? It's like 10,000 people.
1: You told me about this one, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really... The thing I love about it is you go into a session, you sit down, you introduce yourself to the person next to you, and it's most likely the CEO or a VP of sales or or someone else at, at another SaaS company that you can just make really great connections with and ask a few questions and learn more about things that they do mm-hmm. uh, and everything else. So for me, the, the networking and connections and war stories and, and finding insight, like all of that to me is is usually on par or, or even greater value than, than some of the presentations
1: that are there. I will say- I often find that conferences yeah. where just the relationship building oh, and yeah. the conversations you have outside of the talks that's that's where a ton of the value yep. of going to conference
0: now and that's what i'll be missing it at, at local U. right all the it's such a great conference and it's family style right where you get 50 to 75 attendees and all the speakers and it, it's just a ton of great knowledge share for two to three days on so many different levels so i'll definitely be missing out on that but So, uh, so is it where you also, you know, that would be my, my fun place where I'd want to spend my time at a conference, but, uh, I definitely get a lot out of the, the SASTR annual and need to be there as well. And I haven't found a way to duplicate myself yet, so I can't be a 2
1: Yeah. Well, maybe next year I'll come to that SASTR with you. That sounds awesome.
0: There you go. You should totally do it. I'll, I'll show you. This will be my third year now. So would would love to have you have you there, so I had someone else uh, that I, I know to hang out with and everything when when networking falls apart. So
1: yeah, that'd be fun. So yeah, next couple of weeks we got a number of developments happening uh, within the company. We've been rebuilding our local citation finder in modern technology. It was built on some pretty old stuff and had some really terrible code in it, and so. We basically uh, started from scratch with it, rebuilding the whole thing in Laravel and Vue, the most modern versions of those. And so that's been wonderful. Oh, my God. I'm so happy (laughs) to see the new local citation finder uh, coming together. So our staging environment, I was playing around with it. I have a weekly call with the team on that and it's playing with it today. And it's just such a delight to use compared to the old piece of crap. And the, the local citation finder, is probably our most popular product. It is our most popular product. We have so many new signups coming in all the time. And that user experience they're having is just, to me, it feels like it's been letting them down. So I can't wait to launch this new version. And we might be able to get it out in the next two weeks before our next call. Um, I'm also launching, you're going to find this interesting, Aaron. Uh, We're launching a software system called, it's just this free little thing. We call it Review Checker. So what it does is it Googles your brand name plus uh, plus reviews and a whole bunch of different uh, search terms. And then it aggregates anything in the search results that has stars. So if you've got schema markup and there's stars, it's going to pull all that stuff in and give you a little report of all the places you're getting reviews. And so pretty much every review site is returning schema. And as long as they have enough authority, uh, they're going to get pulled into our tool. So it's this great quick check, and we have a review score algorithm where we calculate what your review score is, and we show you all the sites you're getting reviews on. And so that little free tool, which will funnel into our gathering up resale software called Reputation Builder. We should get that out the door in the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm really pumped about that.
0: Awesome! Yeah, you got some great, yeah. great things going on there. That, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to catch up in a couple of weeks and determine what uh, topics to talk about on episode two. But as you and I have discussed, there is always so much going on on both sides for us. That we really don't think content of sharing what we're up to, what we're planning, decision making. All that kind of stuff is going to be too difficult for us.
1: No, we're going to have lots of content. So much to talk about. All
0: right. Well, we got one recorded here. We'll see what the future holds for us. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Episode 1 of the SaaS Venture, where myself and Darren Shaw take you through what it's like to lead and grow bootstrap SaaS companies through our own struggles, wins, losses, experiences, and challenges. And we hope we will see you again by subscribing to our podcast. Thanks.
1: Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.